0: Hello and welcome to The Loudspeaker, your definitive guide on how to scale your startup. This first tip for every fintech startup is... What are the media and press saying about us? How are we being perceived by these people? Peer stunts are any activities that allow you to engage with the audience. I don't agree with the fact that our publicity is good publicity. Here is where we talk to communications professionals from all around the world, to let you know what are the best practices and cool ideas that you can implement for your startups. Dan, can you tell our listeners who you are, what Maripipe does and what your role is there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the founder and CEO of Marpipe, and Marpipe is the first platform for, that enables multivariate creative testing uh, for for brands for their digital ad creative, um, so essentially you know long like long story short uh, the the thing that most influences performance the element that has by far the biggest impact on advertising success is creative, and we thought that the creative process today was was broken in a way because it wasn't influenced by by data or any sort of automation or technology, um, which can empower our decision making ability there. And so we built a platform that allows brands uh, to be able to essentially plug in their creative assets and create hundreds to thousands of versions of their ad creative that tests all kinds of things like colors, placements, fonts, rapidly deploys them into real ad network environments, and then gives us a lot of information about why people love their ads or why people hate some of their ads. That gets really granular um, and it's information you wouldn't be able to get. Uh, through any other way. Yeah, and we work for companies that are just range from Fortune 500s, like PepsiCo, all the way down to just brand new startups and mom and pop shops. Um, The idea is if you're spending money behind uh, showing advertising creative to people, multivariate testing is something you should be doing and now you can do it because our platform has eliminated all the barriers to entry and complexity there
0: excellent well it's great to have your knowledge on the show for this and i have to say without sounding like a, a sycophant <clears throat> i love the fact that you're on this show because i think that you seem to be a real like i said don't want to be a sick fan but a real go-getter like i saw from your your LinkedIn that you started as like a street salesman in one of like NYC's lowest income neighborhoods, as you put it on there. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that actually, uh, if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I was actually always interested in pursuing a career in, specifically in PR from a really young age. Uh, I was uh, was a, I was a competitive debater in high school um, in New Jersey. And um, I, would, I did pretty well, I was the captain of my debate team there. And um, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer back in the early days, because I enjoyed debate. But then you, you discover that being a lawyer is like 99% paperwork, right? And not like these like glorious courtroom debates you see on TV. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so what made me interested in, in PR and communications was like, hey, it actually is a really interesting application of of, of those, those skills. And so I started like I, I just started racking up internships. Uh, my first internship was unpaid. I just uh, did kind of like social media and communications for this small local company. Then I got an internship at a PR for at a at a small small several person PR shop in Manhattan. And then I um, and then I was looking for another PR internship, and I I managed to get an internship at Edelman. Which is, I went from like a small shop to just one of the biggest shops um, out there. Uh, So I did an internship there, and then I went back to school, and then I was looking to get a marketing internship to see, hey, is marketing actually going to be a little little different than 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 the PR and communications internship? I wanted to pick up a uh, like, I wanted to just pick up some exposure there, and I ended up interviewing at this company that positioned themselves as like a marketing agency. I totally thought it was going to be like a you know, a marketing internship. Having just finished an internship at Edelman, I totally thought like, "Hey, this is going to be just like that for a marketing agency." As it turns out, this company is actually a, like a sales agency, right? And I, I totally, I totally didn't know that. Uh, and when I showed up for the first day of work, they handed me a bunch of. They were essentially doing uh, a program that's like colloquially referred to as uh, Obama phones. Um, <laughs> it's essentially it's it's essentially like uh if if people who are on welfare can actually get free phones and uh, like that's part of like that's part of your welfare package like if you're on welfare you're actually entitled to get a free phone from the government and a lot of companies make a lot of money actually passing these phones out and delivering to people even to people who don't need them right and so what our job was to do was actually to take these with a tablet and then go out into on into low income neighborhoods and literally approach people on the street and cold pitch them on getting a free cell phone, uh, mailed to their house. <laughs> so <laughs> I spent a summer, I thought, I thought I was going to be working at a marketing agency and I spent a summer wearing a suit, lugging cell phones and in low income neighborhoods around all around New York city, around Brooklyn and Manhattan and just cold approaching people on the street. And it was just like, it was just hardcore, like real, <laughs> Called street sales. And I was like, what am I doing on day one? But then I kind of discovered, Hey, this is kind of fun. I'm kind of enjoying this. Let's see what happens. Like, let's just, let me just kind of like take these cards I was dealt and write it out and and see what happens. I ended up being, uh, the best, well, I I quickly became the best salesperson in the company in, in, in the, in the New York city office. Um, and I loved it. And I started training a bunch of other people. I just enjoyed the actual the actual game of, of sales itself. You know, New Yorkers have a certain reputation for being a certain way. Like, uh, you know, I've seen some crazy things. I've gotten some crazy responses. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's very it's very not PG. A lot of the stories that I could tell about the, the type of things that went down, um, and the kinds of things people would say, especially when they're angry or didn't want to be approached. but that's the kind of thing that kind of like builds up character, toughens you up and you know I actually accredit that experience to a lot of the personal development that resulted in where I am today uh, because it really teaches you how to how to accept being told no in a, in a really um, healthy way and, and uh, tells you kind of how to how to persevere through just constant failure. And I, I think that picking those things up early on, was something that really influenced me and, and the way that I am today, uh, and that's also what made me really interested in marketing technology and kind of where my fascination there started, because I was a, I was doing sales manually and what like so to speak right I was like just walking up to people on the street the same way sales has been done for hundreds of years before technology, uh, and. What I was fascinated by the idea that, that technology could automate it, right? Like a lot of people say sales is a numbers game. You talk to 100 people, 10 of them will give you the time of day and 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 have a conversation with you, and two of them will buy, right? It's just a numbers game. So talk to more people, right? Kind of just dial, so to speak, right? And I was fascinated by the idea of technology being able to automate that in a really smart and authentic way. And that's kind of where my love, of early love affair with marketing technology began. I was like, hey, instead of standing out on the street and doing this uh, this way, I could actually just like scale this to a thousand X in a way that I could feel good about through the power of digital technology and, and social networks. So that's, that's kind of the story there.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I, I bet you got some interesting stories, especially if your job was to or even just going up to people and being like in New York and just saying, hey, you want a free cell phone? I bet (laughs) some interesting stuff happens after you say that. If you're interested in seeing how Publicize can grow your startup, sign up for a free PR assessment on our website. And for a limited time only, exclusively for the loudspeaker listeners, you can receive an SEO assessment as part of your package for any tier of service at no extra charge with this special promotion. To find out more, visit publicize.co slash LSPromo. I also understand that you were the founder of PR Professor, a PR content site. Can you tell Mm -hmm. us what the motivation was to start this site and what you learned from this experience?
1: Yeah, there was a twofold motivation to build, first off, to build my resume. Um, just straight up, I wanted I was concerned about my ability to stand out from the applicant pool and I wanted to be in a really good place. Um, and having something like that on a resume really makes you stand out and kind of kind of uh, have your own leverage in those conversations. And so it was it was half oriented by a career but half oriented by just a really an interest in the, in, in the space of like that the intersection of academia and uh, professional, Communications and PR is something that was just very interesting to me. Um, it's something that I would just spend a lot of time reading about and studying. And I didn't—I just didn't understand why the two, the worlds of the academic world of communications, like the the, the academic study uh, of of communications and subjects within communications, and the professional world of communications—I didn't understand why they were so far separated. It seems like in every other industry. Uh, The academic side and the professional side are really closely tied together, like medical and legal and even advertising and marketing. But it it seems in communication that these two things are so far removed. And I was just interested in starting something to make some noise to try to get answers. Like I was just like, I'm going to start writing about this and just putting it out there. And I just wanted to see like, hey, does everyone else see that like have the same confusion that i have here and like are you interested in exploring that and and once i started putting the content out there and also promoting it um through some fun ways uh we were it was it it just kind of it kind of took on a life of its own and once it started taking off and we started getting the engagement that we did i was just like you know let's ride the wave
0: (laughs) what were some of these fun ways that you promoted it
1: so we we cut i wouldn't I wouldn't call it going viral, but we had a few really big spikes that were caused by some really particular things. Um, and those things were a combination. Uh, so the first thing is is actually uh, is actually just reddit. So what I would do is I'd create a piece of content um, exploring an academic. The, uh, the academic study uh, of a certain com- topic in communications, like semiotics or hermeneutics, and, and, and I would like make a really like kind it, it of, sound, these sound like really dense and nebulous, like academic subjects, but my, my, uh, my goal was to just boil it, it down to like kind of a spark notes, like a summary, just a really short form digestible palatable uh you know few paragraphs that could just give you the overview just to get people interested be, get people wanting to like learn more um and so i'll do that and i'd post it on some subreddits right and so i'd post it on just any kind of niche subreddit that where i think people would be interested in that particular topic um, and my first hit was i posted in the sub in the philosophy subreddit r slash philosophy and it was about Marshall McLuhan um, and, and the, um, the, the medium is the message topic that, that he, he discusses. And so we, I posted it there. So I, I, it was like a kind of a spray and pray, right? Um, I would post it in a bunch of subreddits. I, like, it's not like I just dropped it in our philosophy and it blew up. No. Uh, I had posted it like maybe 25 other places before that some for some reason this just hit this just resonated and it just blew up and it was actually on the if you followed r philosophy it was not only the very the very top uh of the of that um of of the subreddit for a few days but it was also like it would be it would appear on the on the front page on the home page of what your reddit.com if you followed r philosophy and Reddit's like known as like the you know front page of the internet so to speak And so that was really cool, and we just saw just an explosion in traffic, um, and, and and readership from there. And I was like, "Whoa!" Like Reddit actually works, um, and, you know. And so we started. Uh, we start. I started just kind of to continue to do that. And I never really had a hit as hard as the first one, but I did have several hits after that among various different subreddits. And it's just people people that are interested in niche subjects want content about it and so if you just target niche communities and deliver to them the niche type of content that just provides them value i know this is just like very kind of like okay dan obviously yes your content should provide value but the the idea is being able to just get it in front of those groups and wherever they exist on the internet that you could do for free so like today i know a lot of people doing something very similar in a successful way uh, still on Reddit, but also on Facebook groups. Facebook groups are actually huge right now. Um, and there's tons of like engagement, and there's so many niche communities that are interested in in really like granular subjects. And so just getting getting um, circulating links um, and just speaking to those communities is like a you know not non non-sc- intentionally non-scalable but effective way to get loyal listeners. Um, and usually you'll only pick up a few, um, but sometimes you'll hit and you'll, it'll, it'll strike and it, the combination of factors will be the right way such that it just blows up. Uh, yeah. and so, so yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's how it happened. And then we started having a 25,000, uh, monthly unique visitors coming to the, to the website. And yeah, that was, then we, we had three over 3000 followers on our Instagram and it was just, uh, it was, it was a fun ride.
0: that's that's an awesome domino effect and i have to say i personally love reddit i'm on it every day and i have to say it's such a fantastic forum for engaging in things that you really do love so i have to say that yeah you're absolutely right if you provide something valuable in a group then it's just going to be picked up and it's really going to resonate with that group and um, i've had a few successes myself and actually maybe i should start posting in the subreddit of philosophy because you're the second person to come on this show and say that they've had huge success from posting in there. It was uh previously I had um the CEO of a, a um, UK-based startup and the found the the two co-founders. They have their own philosophy podcast and they mm-hmm. posted in there and they had um a lot of success. So that's maybe a subreddit I should I should check out more. But yeah, definitely I think you're absolutely right there. Um, I'd love to know though how Maripipe has benefited from PR.
1: Yeah, so um, so essentially the our, our mindset from the very from the very beginning from the founding of the company, um, So just as, as a r- really quick piece of background context, I started my own marketing uh, agency. Um, I started my own digital marketing agency after graduate shortly after graduating college. and that that grew really quickly. And we were running an agency that was specializing in, in making creative for digital ads and then running campaigns and managing ad spend. And we particularly specialized in working for venture backed startups. We were just, we were located in a place that we just happened to be around a bunch of folks who had just raised several million dollars from VCs. Um, And these were all different types of brands and 40 cents out of every venture dollar goes into Facebook and Google ads. Um, And so we were just at the right place at the right time providing the right services and skill set to be able to pick up that business and that had a snowball effect. And so uh, so I was running this really quickly growing agency. Um, I kind of decided, hey, agency work is- isn't I, don't- I, d- I didn't think it was the right kind of business that was the most exciting to me to me. Building a technology that does something that enables a, a new possibility uh, was something that was way more exciting for me and also much more scalable in a business sense. And so really, we, we were running this agency, um, and the process of working with our clients allowed us to discover this kind of very common shared pain point that everyone had, uh, which was essentially that everyone wanted to do the most amount of testing, but testing was really expensive because you need creatives to make the ads, you need campaign managers to run it, and then you need like analysts to make sense of all the data that comes from it. And everyone wants to test everything. Everyone has like ten ideas, and they're like, "Can you test all of them?" And it's like, "No, that's incredibly expensive. We could never do that, <laughs> right?" So that's we kind of identified this really this shared pain point among everyone. We looked for platforms online that could enable this. Um, nothing existed for it, and so we tried to go ahead and build it ourselves. Um, and in the process, we were guinea pigging this idea we had this like kind of workflow that was that was really uh, new and heretical, so to speak, according to some people's opinions, we started started going forward with that and beginning picking it on existing clients, of course, with their consent and buy-in. Um, and what happened was we gave these early reports of what we call creative component data, which is essentially data about not just which ad works well, but why. Like specifically like this ad worked well because Uh, the color purple increased its performance 73% above the average. That's like an example of, you know, a piece of creative component data, like which ingredients in the creative was responsible for lowering performance or increasing performance. Um, And we would deliver that to some of our early clients. And we would package it in a way that, so from what we learned in PR and communications, we packaged these reports in like very shareable ways that was like conducive to go viral because we knew that we wanted we wanted to like we knew that if we delivered this in the right way to these clients and we kind of told them hey like keep this under the radar keep this hush hush this is like a, you know a kind of a secret project we're working on we knew that that would uh, make them want to share it with their friends right <laughs> like organically mm-hmm. so we essentially after after dispersing our first series of reports to our like early adopters it was kind of like the floodgates opened right they it, like we told we kind of hinted at them like don't share this with people we knew that the intended outcome was for them to circulate it like wildfire within their community like all, all these odd like all reverse these psychology <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So, so then like it was an interesting thing that happened, which was like, they totally shared it with everyone they knew. <laughs> and like I had all of these random entrepreneurs and CEOs and CMOs just emailing me being like, Hey, I heard about you from so-and-so I know you run an agency. I don't care about your agency. I just want to know how did you get that data? How did you do that? Right. Um, that's And so that's when we knew, like, okay, we have product market fit, right? Like, this is something that, like, this is, we really just kind of struck a nerve here. And this is something that hurts people and people really want to be able to access to. So let's figure out a way to to, to actually, like, enable that. Um, so if it wasn't for that, then Marpipe wouldn't exist. Um, and, and we wouldn't be solving this problem for so many of the companies that we work with today. So, So, yeah. Definitely.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like with PR Professor and both MaraPipe, you've taken a really good approach by identifying uh, a gap in the market and then kind of filling that gap. And mm-hmm. as someone that's very analytical, I love the sound of what you're doing at Maripipe. So yeah, fantastic work. And my last question to you, for listeners who are looking to take their first step in PR, what one piece of advice would you have for them?
1: Internships and content creation, no doubt. So first off, do a ton, a ton, a ton of work um in the space before you um before you expect to get like a you know um like a really serious position or, or a great job offer. Um it's also important to do that to understand whether the space is really something you want to go into. Um because honestly after having after my internship at a few of these PR firms that I worked at, uh I had a I had a desire to want to Actually, explore other things because I wasn't actually. I ended up being unsure whether this was the right fit for me, and I ended up taking those skills and applying them elsewhere and using them for for pursuing my other interests, like in the ones in marketing technology. But you should you should definitely intern to get to build your network in the space. I did two unpaid internships and two paid internships. Um, I'm not sure. Like it totally depends on whether you're in the position in your life uh, and like kind of your your background. And whether you're able to actually take an unpaid internship, um, but just having that early exposure um, and just off like and just building that network it has been what made me be able to pursue a career path there. Uh, should I have wanted to triple down on that? Now, the other thing is creating content. Um, so at my internships, I would I would find something like there would be something that we would be doing. And I would be like, let's write something about this and just publish it or distribute it. And I ended up with one of my, with one of my first bosses who was at, it was at a small PR shop. He made me actually, his name was Mark Massius. He made me really interested in the space initially. And we were doing PR for some, for some uh, financial uh, firms. And we decided to, I-, I proposed the idea, I was like, hey, let's write our white paper about this. Cause I feel like PR for private equity firms and hedge funds is, is like a really unexplored space. And when you would Google it, you wouldn't really find a lot of content on it. So I'm like, this seems like a really good like SEO opportunity, um, because if we really nail these terms and write some good content around it, people who search it, this will be, will be like the authority uh, on the subject in Google. Mm. So we ended up writing a white paper together. I I ended up drafting a white paper that he revised and we co-published it. Um, it was called a statistical look at financial PR for private equity and hedge funds. And so we published that white paper that just included a bunch of information about what was happening in the space at that time. And that ended up uh, working out well because It got my name out there. It did well in the rankings. It was a great resume piece and it also brought in new business for that company. Um, And so when you have the ability to do something like that and you can demonstrate that you've done it before, you have so much more leverage in like maneuvering your career. And that's something you can do whether you're just trying to get into PR or whether you've been in the industry for 15 years already. Like you can start doing that now um, at any time. You know and it's going to involve a lot of swinging and missing and as long as you're okay with uh striking out many times before you actually hit you should just start swinging and start creating content and start trying to fill gaps and address um you know empty niches so to speak so yeah that, that'd be my advice
0: yeah and no, i think that's good advice and it kind of um times with the rest of the stuff we've been talking about about identifying that gap and looking to fill it and being creative mm. so yeah i 100 agree this uh it's good advice dan if people want to find out more about yourself and the work you're doing at mara pipe or follow you on social media how can they do that
1: yeah absolutely so uh if you want to see my content from pr professor um prprofessor.com no longer exists um i i wound it down once i started pursuing other business ventures. Um, but all the content, you can see a lot of the biggest pieces that were that were the most popular are currently live on my Medium. Um, and my Medium is at Dan Pantello, P-A-N-T-E-L-O. So if you want to read any of that awesome content from PR Professor that um, and if you're interested in any of these topics, check out my Medium. It's all there. Um, and then other than that, um, I'd love for you guys to either follow me on LinkedIn, which is just Dan Pantello, my name, Or uh, go to marpipe.com and check out what we're doing there. And if that's something that is interesting to you, uh, jump into our waitlist.
0: Awesome. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Dan.
1: Thanks a lot for having me, Sam. Really appreciate it. This was a fun talk.